Hello everyone! Welcome to Korean Diaries. My name is Leah Song, and this is the space where we discuss and unravel recent events or lifestyles in South Korea. And today, we'll begin our long conversation with the topic of cheese. If you've ever seen those Korean mukbang videos or eating shows, you'll realize that Koreans love cheese. We eat cheese with quite literally any food we can think of. With ramen, kimbap, tonkatsu, tteokbokki, fried rice, and even fried chicken. However, in terms of its production, cheese is infamous for being inefficient. Fun fact, it takes approximately 10 cartons of milk to produce a block of cheese. So it makes us wonder, why is cheese inarguably the most popular option for topping in restaurants despite all the hassle? Before we dive into the popularity of cheese in Korea, let us first analyze the history and origin of cheese. The story of cheese brings us so far back into history that no one truly knows where and how it began. Historic archives state that cheese began to spread throughout the Mediterranean through trade by the Bronze Age, which was approximately 1200 BCE. The benefits were that it could be stored for long periods of time, a factor that was crucial for people during times of war and scarce resources. And as we near the 10th century, Italy became the center of cheesemaking, which then spread to other countries in Europe such as the UK and France. From there, cheese spread even further to the US during the Pilgrim's Voyage, and 1851 was the year in which the first cheese factory was established in New York by Jesse Williams. Cheese first landed in Korea in the 1950s, thanks to Western soldiers and missionaries during the Korean War. A common practice during these times was for American soldiers to randomly give away their leftover spam, cheese, and chocolate, all menus that are extremely popular in South Korea today. However, back then, people were clueless about how to eat these, so they would often throw all these ingredients in a pot with some kimchi, which led to the birth of the traditional budojige. In an article, a Korean immigrant to Australia describes her grandmother's childhood, saying, My grandmother told me about the big Yongsan army base near the market. The army would give away food like cheese and spam. They didn't know how to make pizza or sandwiches or pasta with it, so they just put it in kimchi stew. Many attribute the rapid spread of cheese during the 60s and 70s to the poverty of Korea at that time. Because the primary goal of these people was literally to survive, cheese was a perfect match due to its rich protein and calcium. And as Korea developed into an MEDC, increasing trade agreements with countries like the US and Australia boosted Korea's dairy consumption. Even if we go back a few years, we notice that South Korea in particular and its food industry is especially susceptible to fads and trends. The most popular example would be honey butter chips produced by Hette, known for their sweet butter taste and instant popularity on Twitter and Instagram. Not only were people reselling bags of honey butter chips for insanely high prices, stores began to place a cap on the number of bags each customer could purchase. Another example of food culture that experienced an instant boom is tteokbokki chain stores, such as Yepki and Shinjan. These chains, with their countless options for toppings, flavor, and the spice level, stood out from the traditional and seemingly tacky street tteokbokki. Now, people had the freedom to customize their own dish with brand new ingredients like sausage, cabbage, and cheese, a revolutionary idea in the stagnant food industry of Korea at the time. This marked the first time the notion of adding cheese to tteokbokki or spicy dishes in general became widespread. Recently, a major pattern many have observed across various social media platforms is the mixing of unexpected ingredients or cooking traditional dishes in an orthodox manner. 
For instance, despite their criticism, multiple Korean brands have also gotten on board with these strange ideas, such as flattening out the fluffy croissant, adding ice cream to tteokbokki, or using the waffle machine to cook essentially any dish. Many attribute these weird trends to Korea's obsession with social media. In previous years, social media platforms such as Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, or Facebook were employed to fulfill our needs of exhibiting our lavish lifestyles to others, leading to the birth of influencers whose lives were glamorized. Soon, however, the use of social media was radically altered to the craving for more and more attention, in other words, views. Even if we were to go back to the previous examples of flattening out the traditional croissant or utilizing a waffle machine, these in a way in line with the visual effects that social media demands in order to go viral. In short, users would do and post absolutely anything to win the war for the TikTok algorithm, the For You page, or the Explore page. Weird combinations of food equated to better clickbait for the viewers, and the endless cheese pool was no better match for the visual component that mukbang videos needed. Finally, the rising culture of adding Western elements to traditional Korean dishes can be attributed to globalization. As mentioned earlier, social media has played a huge role in shaping the modern food culture. However, its impact extends to the spread of culture as well. The global exchange of cultures influenced pretty much any country under the influence of social media. In the Western countries, for example, imports of spice prompted the appreciation for the taste of spice and led to the viral food challenge videos of bulldog noodles. In South Korea, following the end of the pandemic, tourism has increased significantly due to the rising popularity of K-pop and K-culture in general, and companies have embedded foreigner-friendly dishes in their menu to cater those needs. From a marketing standpoint, by launching fusion menus such as rosé and cream tteokbokki, this eases the natural fear many tourists have towards trying something alien, and the countless toppings trigger the consumer base to unconsciously spend more money on the dishes without feeling guilty. In the next episode, we will continue our conversation with the next topic of education in South Korea. Stay tuned for more exciting conversations to come.